Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Alltech, providing you proven specialty ingredients to maximize pig health, sustainability, and profitability. Novus International Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. L-Biotics, the pioneer postbiotic for digestive health in pigs. Brought to you by Adair Biome. With over a century of experience in postbiotics for digestive health, L-Biotics contains heat-treated lactobacillus cell bodies and their metabolites. Stable by nature, L-Biotics can be easily stored and incorporated in compound feed. I'm your host, Leighton Chastain, and today we have with us Dr. Jordan Gebhardt, an assistant professor of swine production at Kansas State University. So Jordan, before we get started, would you mind giving the audience a short introduction about yourself? Absolutely, and, and thank you for the invitation to participate in the podcast today. And as mentioned, I'm Jordan Gebhardt. I'm an assistant professor here at Kansas State University. I grew up in West Michigan on a small family farm and then came out to Kansas State for uh, my veterinary training as, as well as got a graduate degree with a swine nutrition team here at Kansas State. I've been on faculty here in the College of Veterinary Medicine at K-State for about three years, primarily in a research appointment where I help graduate students conduct our swine nutrition research, as well as other research areas related to feed safety and swine production medicine. So rather than a study today, I'm going to ask you a little bit more of a topical question. So Jordan, what do you believe are the biggest mistakes that are made today in experimental design? Yeah. And, and so those are a really good, really good question, really good to reflect back periodically and understand how do we best design our experiments to give us the best answers for those key questions that that we would be asking. One of the, the biggest areas that I think we need to spend more time and, and uh, make sure before we conduct an experiment in the design phase, make sure we clearly define what within this experiment will be the experimental unit. And what I mean by experimental unit, that for those that may not be as familiar with that terminology, is the smallest physical entity which can be randomly assigned to a treatment independent of all other entities within the experiment. So for the most part, if we're doing a nutrition study, for example, and we have a pen of pigs, all of those pigs in that pen being fed the same diet through one feeder, that pen would be our experimental unit. In different studies, different research questions, the experimental unit can be different. It can be an individual pig in some scenarios if we're giving an individual injection to a pig independent of other pigs. And what I see some issues sometimes is we, uh, we, over, we make some assumptions that may or may not be correct related to what the experimental unit is for the trial. And that relates back to the amount of replication in the experiment and how from the statistical analysis perspective. So I think it's really, really important when designing experiments, being very, very clear what is the experimental unit. Do you think there's value in breaking it down and, say, decreasing the sample size to get more experimental units, such as going down to the individual pig and collecting individual growth data? Yeah, and, and it really depends on, again, the, how we are generating the data. For In that, that example of a pen where we have one diet being fed to that entire pen, because every pig in that pen is not independent of the other pigs, they're on the same diet, even if we take individual weights 
for each pig in that pen, the experimental unit is still the pen. So it's really, really important to consider that, that in general, yes, more replication generally means more power being able to to do find smaller differences between treatments. However, there's a couple caveats with that. If we have a group setting, sometimes with five or 25 pigs in a pen, the variation between those pens of pigs can be smaller. So having a larger population within an EU can help reduce the variation between EUs. But in general, you are exactly right that more more replication means more power, more benefit. But again, it all comes back to the design, how we are applying treatments to those animals and making sure we're properly specifying that within the statistical model. The next big area that I think is really important, once we build on what that experimental unit is, is how do we assign those experimental units to treatments? Many times we use different strategies in experimental design, such as blocking, where we take a cohort or a group of experimental units that are similar in some characteristic. They have a similar body weight or they're a similar location within the barn. And then we randomize treatment within that block of experimental units. So making sure we understand our research facility, understanding the type of trials we normally do, there's not one size or one size fits all type of situation when it comes to blocking or, or how we go about that randomization process. It does take some expertise based on the specific facility and what generates the best outcomes under those conditions. So making sure we have a thorough enough understanding of what's the best way for our specific research question in our specific facility is really, really important as it comes to taking those experimental units and assigning them to treatment to maximize the likelihood of us finding those treatment differences we're looking for. The next one is within that, making sure that we try to, to do everything we can from a management perspective to reduce the variation between those experimental units. That helps improve our likelihood of success in the experiment and finding a treatment difference if, if, there one, if one truly does exist. And the way that we can do that is a number of different ways, helping through our blocking structure, accounting for location within the barn, for example. If we have a tunnel ventilated facility, the temperature and airflow at the, at the in air inlet side versus the exhaust fan side can vary quite a bit. And if we don't evenly distribute treatments within that environment, we could influence, one, the amount of variation that we see. And two, our ability to, to find meaningful treatment differences and not have, have those different location parameters or factors confounded into our treatment effects. So they're making sure we minimize and, and account for variation the best we can to reduce variation. Important things to think about their location within the facility, parity or, or are those off, guilt offspring or those offspring from multi-parity sows. All of those areas to help reduce variation are one thing that we need to continue to improve our understanding of as it relates to experimental design. Yeah, and I've done several studies where they've done different allocation methods on how they divide pins and assign replicates because sometimes they take the heaviest pigs and make that its own replicate and then the lightest pigs and make that its own replicate and then the rest are an average. And then another method I've seen used is that they try to just make every pin represent the average population in the barn. And then there's another one where it's just that, like, it's more on a per replication basis. So if you have three treatments, you have to take just enough pigs to make those, uh, that one replicate of three treatments, and then make every pin in that replicate an average. So then within that, you're going to have some big pigs, some little pigs, and sure, you have some 
uh, pig to pig variation there, but the overall uh, size of the pin per replicate or per uh, treatment in that replicate is going to be the same. So would you say there is one way that reduces variation the most, or would you say it's more dependent on what exactly you're looking for? Yeah, it's that's a terrific question. And, and we had that very, very similar question uh, not too long ago. And we conducted a, a short nursery experiment to help understand that. We used a few different uh, oper- di- different strategies to allot pigs to pen and then pens to treatment, making group pens of small pigs and pens of heavy pigs, for example, or a com- just a completely random approach. Or if we take, um, so each pen, we create it such that it includes a small pig, a heavy pig, and a pig in, in each category in between to try to, to make that distribution be within a pen, even across pens. There's no clear answer within that. And that experiment for some metrics, creating groups of small pigs and groups of heavy pigs seem to be a little bit better in terms of power to detect differences. But I think it does depend on the response um, and really what you're trying to answer through that experiment. A lot more in that area um, for the sake of uh, time. I, I don't think we'll have an opportunity to dig into all those. Maybe we can have uh, the graduate student who conducted that experiment on the podcast to talk about that one a little bit more. But great question. It can de- vary depending on the type of trial you're ty- trying to do. But the point being, making sure you understand what your research objective is and using the strategy to best accomplish your goal within that experimental design is very important. And then one of the other key areas that I see in terms of experimental design is we have a, a tendency and a pattern to try to answer too many questions within an experiment, making our treatment structure too complicated. It's only adding on one more treatment. We can do that. But what it's really, really important to make sure we do a thorough job with our sample size calculations and making sure we're be- being realistic with our expectations. Do we have a, an appropriate treatment structure for our facility limitations to give us a reasonable expectation of finding treatment differences if they're there? We have a pattern and we have a tendency to try to answer too many questions and be efficient, but sometimes that can give us results that really don't answer any of our questions. So making sure we're, we're very realistic with our expectations is critical as it relates to sample size calculations and how many treatments we can include. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. Animin, international supplier of bioavailable precision minerals to impact pigs' gut health. DSM Animal Nutrition and Health can help you protect your gilts to improve your sow herd. Gotcha. Well, thank you, Dr. Gevhar, for coming on the show and sharing all this with us. I know we could probably dig into this for a lot longer if we had the time, but I appreciate um, all we're able to fit in here. Absolutely. I appreciate the chance to visit. Yep. And everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine nutrition related research trial and would like to come on the show and share it with us, feel free to email the details about your research to hello at wisenetics.com.